Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I open my Bible and allow God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, dianebells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes. you ever felt hopeless, like nothing good could ever happen again? Well, I have. And that's why I created the Hope Station. Each week, you will hear amazing stories of hope from people just like you. People who have transformed disastrous, disappointing, and depressing events in their lives into messages of hope. Turning tragedy to triumph, pain to purpose, crisis to new careers all through the power of hope. So sit back, relax, and pull into the Hope Station, the place where you can refuel, refresh, and realign your hopes and dreams. You're listening to episode number three of the Hope Station podcast. Well, I have another big dose of hope coming your way today, and that is through my guest, Ashriel Walker, who will share her beautiful and incredible story of how God came into her life just in time to revitalize her relationship with her mother and to repurpose Ashriel's life. Ashriel is a certified life and business coach for busy and aspiring entrepreneurial women. Ashriel is a chef by trade. She's a self-published author, a spoken word artist. I love that. Creative director and course creator. Ashriel describes herself as resilient and dynamic entrepreneur, and she's going to prove that to you through our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me, Ashriel. Thank you so much, Ashriel, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. So let's hear about your story of hopelessness. Where did that start? Just give us some insight into that. For me, the hopelessness started when my mom passed away in 2009. And we didn't have the best of relationship prior to, but God made a way for us to build that bond five months prior to her passing away. And so I basically got stuck in that time, that time zone. So I was stuck in 2009. And then as the years went on, I was still idling in that grief, that loss, that pain. And so I was very hopeless in that sense, because I didn't know what direction I wanted to go into. Um, A lot of the gifts that God has blessed me with came from her cultivating it. Uh, Things that she was really interested in, like cooking and singing, anything that was creative came from her. Um, in a sense. So I just didn't have a way to 
really move forward in that without leaving her behind. Would you mind that we just find out a little bit about your mom and your relationship of why it wasn't so good and how did the Lord help? Very good question. Thank you for asking. Uh, when I was 15, I had a taste of what carnality looked like. So um, I was creating unwarranted soul ties, smoking, drinking, uh, partying quite a bit, lying, sneaking out, things like that. And um, it definitely created a distance between my mom and I, and even my dad and I as well. Um, I come from a two-parent household and I was very rebellious. So uh, the way I was able to allow God to really reconcile that relationship was giving my life to him. And I was 18 at that time. And God just, he was refining me and refining my mom. And um, I did notice that she was starting to deteriorate. Um, but it was deeper than that for me. God shifted me personally, and he just allowed us to build that relationship. And I'm still grateful to this day for it. So that was in 2009. Mm-hmm. She died shortly after you came to the Lord, or was it, what was the time frame? No, uh, from the, I was 18 years old. So that was 2007 to, or no, it was, to, yeah, 2008, actually, to early 2009 is when God was really refining me. And then prior, or shortly after that, and she passed away in June. So a few months before that is when we really started to converse and I got to know her on a deeper level. She got to really know me. So yeah, I I ran away uh, when I was 16 years old. So I didn't really learn from my mom because it was definitely my choice um, for that. So um, I would have to say I kind of allowed the streets and like other people to raise me in a sense. And so I missed out on a mother figure. When did you decide or what brought you back into the home or into that relationship? And then how was God refining you during that time? What brought me back into the relationship was a direct relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's... That's just how that went. And prior to I have to that, hear that story. He just said, okay. you know, there, there's a story behind that. Yeah. Your face like, oh, yeah. You're still in a moment of enjoying that miracle. So tell me about that. How, how did he grab a hold of you? Uh, <laughs> I was actually at a male friend's house. We considered ourselves to be best friends, but there was nothing platonic about it. And um, I was in the upper room of his home. And I was really high smoking uh, weed for that matter. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clear as day and said, Ashriel, this is not you. And that Saturday, because I believe that was on like a Wednesday. And then that Saturday, I went to church with my high school teacher, who was also my mentor. And I ended up living with her. And that's where I got saved. And I dedicated my life to the Lord. And I was just, I I started going to school, high school with my, my Bible with a whole bunch of highlights in it. And it was just like raggedy. And then I ended up losing a lot of friendships and relationships due to that, because my life had completely shifted at that time. Have you ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before? How did you know that was the Holy Spirit? Did you know at that time or did you figure that out later? 
I didn't know at that time. <laughs> um, I figured it out later because when my mom passed away, I went to she and my dad's home and I was in that upper room. And I realized that a lot of people kind of ran away in a sense, quote unquote. Um, they couldn't handle the strength of the storm. It was too strong for them. So I found myself being alone. And when I was in that upper room, just getting stuff in order, I found myself just crying on my own shoulder. And I felt such a thickness of the Holy Spirit just comforting me. And I knew at that moment, that's what it was. Um, the tears just started to slowly go away. And I just felt such a comforting level. You said twice that it happened in the upper room. Is there, yeah. is there a reason for you know, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I never really tied the two together, but, you know, that's where the encounters happen, though. So there may be some significance to that. I think there is, because I always will pay attention to people's words and what they what that the words that they use hmm. throughout. And, and there's a message in there. So what was the refining process like? It just sounds so painful at times. Hmm. And was it worth it? Yes. Uh, refining for me, and I've had multiple seasons where God had to refine me because I picked up a lot of toxic ways and dysfunctional behaviors. And even the way I viewed my mom and that relationship, my relationship with others, um, it just wasn't as pure or um, it, it just wasn't the way I felt like it should have been very dysfunctional. Right. So um, God had to take out so many things within myself and then going back to childhood, even um, there's certain behaviors that I picked up from childhood because of trauma. So um, God was just healing me in so many different areas so that I can look at my mom in a new light and understand that she raised me at that time with the tools that she had to raise me. She was still healing from her childhood. She lost her mom due to suicide um, a year before I was born. So wow. just imagining her not really being able to process or digest mm -hmm. what that looked right. like for her. So, um, that's, that's really what was going on with me in terms of refining. And then I had multiple encounters with the Holy spirit, um, just really diving into the word and spending time with him, uh, worship, and then becoming a part of a community to really help me cultivate what it meant to really have a relationship with God. Okay. So what were some of the things that you were doing during that, that time with your mom to heal it? If you could just share that, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Mother's day, I think it was a few days before mother's day. Um, a lot of my siblings and I, we, started to notice our mom deteriorating. And so we were speaking amongst ourselves and uh, she heard a conversation that I had with my dad in the kitchen and um, she didn't like it too much. And something, something came over me realizing that she was getting ready to go um, to be transparent about that. And so uh, she came into the kitchen. My dad had left out of the kitchen. She came into the kitchen and she let me know, like, I heard the topic or I heard the conversation you had with your dad. And why don't you guys just come to me about it? And something broke at that moment with me. But um, she she felt unsettled. I can tell because she stood there in silence and that wasn't how my mom was. And so she 
went upstairs to get on her jacket to go outside and she came down to try to cook. And I told my mom that I got it. I'll cook the rest of the food. And like I said, something broke in me. So I felt like I needed to do more as a daughter. And um, so I took the spatula from her and finished the meal she was cooking for my dad. And she went outside. And that was when I realized that God was getting to restore our relationship. So um, I got her a gift that she's she always wanted. It was a, a blender. And literally, that's all she wanted as a gift. So I got that for her. And she was she stood there in silent again, silence again. I didn't come from a an affectionate home. So I'd never really told my mom that I loved her out of just like genuity, so to speak. But at that moment, I gave her a hug and I told her, like, I love you. And I gave her a kiss on her cheek. And, you know, it was very genuine and such a sweet presence of God at the moment. But you were saying that she was deteriorating. Was she sick? Was there something happening within her and you were just watching that? Yeah, uh, she was sick. We didn't really notice because so to start here, I'm one of 13 biological kids. My parents together had 13 of us. And so um, we went on to our own journeys. Um, that's literally with all of us. So we didn't really pay attention to what was going on internally with her. And it started to break her down externally. Um, so she did share with us that she was dealing with the loss of her mom still. And it had been years past that passed by. Mm -hmm. So um, she started to lose a lot of weight. Um, she started to look a bit disfigured, so to speak. And um, discolored skin and things of that nature. And then I remember my dad taking her to the hospital so that um, just to get her checked out. And Please. I got the phone call that she was internally bleeding. Well. She got nicked in her in between her ninth and 10th artery that caused her to internally bleed. And then they clipped a piece of her liver by accident. So over time, they couldn't get the bleeding to stop until maybe a couple of days before she passed. And things just started to slowly shut down. So that's the journey with that. I know that that's hard to talk about. I just wanted to, when you saw that deterioration. So just, mm -hmm. and what led you just to say, my mom needs to hear that I love her today? You know, like I said, there was a sweet spirit and something broke in me. Um, although a lot of times we don't want to accept what's really in front of us, the reality of things. And mm -hmm. I knew that she was getting ready to go. And that's what broke at that moment for me. Um, and just knowing that she was receptive to me saying that I loved her and giving her a hug and, and giving her a kiss on her cheek. Um, I knew that it was just a work of the Holy Spirit. It, I, I can't really articulate it, but that's what it was. Sometimes that's when you know it was because it's inexplicable, right? It's yeah. not something, you know, supernatural is hard to explain, right? So just mm -hmm. you being able to answer that and respond to that. Just how does it feel now in retrospect that you you did that and, and you know, that your mother did pass? Well, how do you feel now knowing that you were... Um, um, can I use the word obedient to that prompting? Yeah. 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 Um, for me, it's, it changed my entire perspective on uh parent and child relationship. Um, it is okay. both 
Um, it's the work of both ends of the relationship um, because my mom also knew that there were some things that she needed to work on and ask for forgiveness with as well. So um, it just really ultimately shifted my perspective about life, like my entire world altered after she passed away. So um, now after getting unstuck from that that season, because again, I was idling for years on end. And after coming out of that, I um, I came to the conclusion and the realization that I don't have to be stuck and I'm not leaving her behind. I can still honor her name and also share my story about that and hopefully allow others to understand that they can also have a reconciled relationship with their parents. I know it's common out here and you know we only get one, so yeah ultimately my perspective just changed with that and i tried to give a different perspective on what's currently going on in other traumatic situations like that i i learned the dysfunctional art of putting on a mask so i wasn't okay internally i um i cried to myself multiple times um I would tell people that I was okay, I wasn't. Um, I was still holding a very deep grief for that loss because I felt like five months wasn't enough time. 20 years ultimately of having her all together was never enough time to get to know her and appreciate her. Um, so I was idling in just the grief and what could have been, not knowing how to continue the gifts that God had given me and just create such a difference in that and still be fulfilled with that void still being there, if that makes sense. Making me cry, so I hope you don't mind. Um, so idling for you is like there was a stuckness and mm -hmm. you felt like you couldn't do two things at the same time. You couldn't grieve yes. and live at the same time. In your words, how would you describe that? You said that so well. Um, that's exactly how it was. Yeah, I. Mm -hmm. um, if you really think about when the time when or any time where you feel like you're gasping for air, trying to catch your breath, it was like that in every sense. Um, I may not physically gasp for air, but that's how my body felt. There was just such a um, an overwhelming weight over me. Um, and then I knew that I couldn't necessarily talk to others about it because it was too strong of a storm. When I say people left, that's not an understatement because it was just too much for them. I don't fault them for that. You know, everybody has their own capacity. But um, for me, I needed somebody in that moment at the same time. So um, idling without having a way to cope in a healthy way was where it where is where it all started at. I. Um, became a part of a community and I, I'm still connected with them. I love them dearly. And they helped me understand what it meant to grieve healthy. They helped me understand what it meant to have healthy relationships and just be a healthy person in general um, in all dynamics. So um, I idled for years. And even though I was learning the art of what healthy looks like, I still was stuck at the same time because there was still something deep rooted within me. And what that was, was um, the conversations that we didn't have. And okay. um, even the trauma between our relationship of 
when I mentioned earlier to you that um, I was suppressed, my voice was suppressed, I would speak and I wouldn't be heard, or it was simply her saying certain things and that's what really caused the distance. So I was idling in that time as well. There were so many okay. things that needed to be unpacked. And, um, you know, I may never get the answers for that, but being where I'm at today is, um, is very much of a blessing because I, I, I will say that I'm not stuck anymore in, in that season or in, uh, in any other traumatic season that I've endured. I'm coming out of 13 years, 13 years of enduring so much. And um, I'm not stuck in any of those times anymore. So I'm very grateful for where I'm at today. Can you uh, just explain a little bit about what that community was? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you find it? Who were those people and what they did? So it's another blessing by your look on your face. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blessing. And I really appreciate your questions as well. Just helping me really unveil things like this. So um, how I got connected with them is that I was engaged to someone and that was his his church home and he introduced me to them and we just gained a we clicked automatically for the lack of better words and I joined the church and I really noticed that they spoke my language of authenticity and <laughs> and they were already living out where I wanted to be and I wanted to be free. I, I really wanted to know what love felt like. I wanted to know what family felt like. And they offered that on so many different levels and um, just being transparent and the the sermons that were preached, it was more of teaching than anything else. And till this day, we still have very close relationships with them, uh, w- with each other. And I just, I love them dearly, every last one of them. When we think of how isolated people can become, and I was talking to someone yesterday, and in our shame, and our grief, and our regret, mm-hmm. we just choose isolation Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are we so afraid to share these painful emotions? And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what do you think your reason for, for just not opening up and mm-hmm. how it felt when you finally could open up? What was the difference between the two? You know, I feel like a lot of it stems from childhood suppression okay. or um, maybe they were in a relationship where they also were suppressed. They couldn't voice their opinions and they just learned the art again, like I said, of just putting on a mask. And um, sometimes it's just too deep for people to really dig up because if you think about childhood and then someone is like in their thirties or forties, that's 40 years of having to unpack something. So um really understanding what that would look like for them is you're completely breaking them. But the difference is when you really come before God and lay it at his feet, everything that is um, destroying you, because ultimately it does destroy you, then that's where the beauty comes in, that he really does exchange your beauty for ashes. And that's the season that I'm in. And um, it, it's, you don't really have to, you don't have to be stuck and hold on to that because when you let go, there's so much more beauty on the other side of that. I say that with conviction because when I tell you, if you remember me saying I'm coming out of 13 years of calamity and 
if you think of in one year and one day alone, you could go through so much. So just imagine 13 seasons that I went through and just like anyone else, you may be going through 40 years of calamity and don't have to be stuck in that community is so vital to move forward. So vital. It's the right community at that, because I understand that there are some toxic ones out there. There are some ones that don't really wish you well or want to see you win. And so I became a part of multiple communities like today that speaks to specific areas and where I needed to heal. And that's why I'm saying like, I'm not stuck because I'm, putting in the work now so that God can work on literally every part of me so that I can be made whole. So um, that's really what, um, that's how I will speak to that and just grief and loss. Like I understand it to the core of me. I do, but there are ways that you can come out of it. What does it feel when you finally do deal with it? And you're saying, I'm going to look at this. It's going to not be pleasant. I'm going to look mm -hmm. at this. What's the reward for take, doing that hard work? It is hard work, right? Yes. Yes. Um, even to be transparent, um, while I was going through my season of healing and I'm, like I said, I'm coming, through, coming out of so much. And during that season, I got involved with a person and um, a man for that matter. And I hurt his feelings because I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't necessarily even trust my own emotions at that time. I didn't trust where I was going or anything. And I hurt him in the process. And so what it looks like is letting go. What it looks like is relief. What it looks like is not adding chapters into another person's life, knowing that you're going to hurt them and, and knowing that they have an attachment to you. And what it looks like is freedom. So if you really take that time to, you don't have to isolate, but if you take that time to not um, add certain people into your life or even go into their life while you're healing, but instead get going a part of or getting into communities that will serve you in the specific areas that you need, then that looks like healing. That looks like freedom. That looks like love. It looks like wholeness. It looks like the Holy Spirit being at work within you. So ultimately, um, you know, I, I had to go through that season of hurting him, um, unfortunately. And, you know, I did ask for forgiveness. Um, in that area. But um, I had to go through that to really understand that it wasn't okay. It was um, very dysfunctional. It wasn't healthy and it wasn't fair. So, um, you know, living healthy, there's, there's really nothing like it. I'm, I have so much freedom in this area of mine. And uh, 13, 13 seasons is, um, is possible to come out of it. It really is. Well, I think how beautifully you said that, that you realize that, and I'm, I'm thinking for myself, you know, were you running to someone else to feel that love and, and to heal you and realize that maybe it wasn't fair to put that kind of responsibility on another human being? Oh, your, your questions, they're amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so... When I mentioned earlier that I had a taste of carnality, so I went okay. to like smoking, drinking, things like that, um, and then creating unwarranted soul ties. So um, that's what I went to. Went, yeah, that's exactly what I went to um, for my way of coping. So uh, I backslid during that season as well, okay. and 
um, I'm coming from a relationship with my um, kid's father and um, I was healing from that. So I didn't know how to cope with that loss. So yes, I, I ran to that person because he was available um, just to be transparent about that. And okay. um, it wasn't fair, like I said, but um, you know, um, I just really hope that ultimately people understand that when you're healing, really take that time out to get to know yourself and what needs to be worked on so that you don't hurt other people. Wonderfully and beautifully said, because I know a lot of times within that grief space that we feel like we need to, we need someone and we don't realize who that someone is Mm -hmm. and that that God's the healer. And when he can heal you, then you're healed. We can't expect someone else to fill those holes in our heart. We can't expect someone else to heal those those hurts. It has to come from God. He is the ultimate healer. And Mm -hmm. it is that it's almost like we're delaying the healing each time we're trying to grab onto someone or something other than him. Yes. So where are you now? Beautiful lady. (laughs) Healed lady. (laughs) Well, currently um, I am doing life and business coaching for aspiring entrepreneurial mompreneur, so to speak. Um, I can identify with being a single mom. I can identify with being a mom and also um, pivoting into entrepreneurship. Um, So that's what I'm doing is very fulfilling. Um, The breakthroughs that I'm able to uh, witness with these women is just beyond me. I'm witnessing them experiencing what it looks like for God exchanging beauty for ashes with them and just being able to walk with them, journey with them and bring them out of their seasons of hurt and trauma is just, it's very mind blowing to me that I can honestly walk and journey with these people. And they're literally in tears because of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing ultimately. So right now that's where I'm at. Um, I am a writer at heart. I love spoken word. I write poetry. Um, I am an author of three books right now and I'm continuing to write, but Um, What I'm focused on is creating as much impact as I can by helping other women come out of their seasons of where they felt stuck because I can identify and speak to multiple things. Again, 13 seasons, I can speak to multiple things and pull them out into what it looks like to be free and feel loved and know that somebody's not going to just uh, flake on them or run away when something goes wrong in their life. Another phrase you're using that is that the name of your coaching business or what? What is that? <laughs> it's not, and it's funny that you said that because I considered that. <laughs> okay, but um, no, my the name of my business is Planting Dream Seeds and Coaching. Okay, so tell me a little bit about that. What? How did you get into this space? Mm-hmm. So this is a new season. Where were you before this season? And how did you get into this new season? Oh, man. So in 2020, I got a phone call that my niece was murdered. And um, that's where the journey of healing started for me. Although I received that phone call, I was called to go on a 21-day Daniel Fest. And 
during that time, God was planting a lot of things in me and pulling out a lot, planting and pulling. It hurts. It hurt drastically. And so that's where the name came from. It, um, it stemmed from a boutique that my mom had, Dream Seas Boutique, and I wanted to um, show some kind of honor to her. And then it was okay. also symbolic for the season that I was in as well and coming out of. So that's where planting dream seeds and coaching came from. So how how did the pulling out occur or was it you doing work and just walking along other like-minded people? Tell me a little bit about that process. It was more so of me doing the work and then them holding me accountable. Um, You know, people can give me a lot of things to do. And if I'm not doing the work, then it's obsolete. So for me, <laughs> I, I had to put in the word and I really got rid of certain energy leaks. I really sought forgiveness from certain people. I had to forgive myself for things. Um, I had to um, write letters for people that I needed to forgive. And, you know, it's a process 70 times seven. So, <laughs> so absolutely. I, I did the work. I did the work. Um, I got back to writing. My love for writing came back and just the things that I stopped tapping into because I was idling again <laughs> was that's where I got unstuck and stopped idling and moving forward <laughs> right now. Um, so I am a chef by trade. And so I will be pretty soon within the next week or so launching a course for examining the guard of food. And that teaches people how to learn how to cook on a fundamental level, but also learn from a chef and cook and think like a chef as well. There's different dynamics to that. I'm very excited about that. So that's what is on here, launching the course, um, having fun with my children, because during those seasons where I was idling and I was being short with them and it wasn't fair to them. Mm -hmm. So um, having fun with my children, traveling with them, um, traveling in general, I've never had a vacation in my adulthood. So um, that's one of the things I'll be doing in a couple of weeks. I'll be going on my first vacation, my first plane ride. So that's on there. Um, writing, <laughs> you know, writing um, more poems and speaking on podcasts, uh, being guests and collaborating with other influential leaders um, because it's so much bigger than me. And um, that's really what it's about. I want to have a deeper relationship with God. You can never go too deep with him. So, um, you know, that's at the top of my vision board, God first. And I mean it. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's other dynamics to what my vision board consists of, but, you know, in a nutshell, that's what it is. So, uh, where are you going on vacation? I need to know that. <laughs> I'm going to Barbados for eight days. Oh, that's yeah. an awesome place to go. I've been there. That's okay. awesome. Yes. Cool. It's one of my, my husband and my favorite trip to one of the islands. So explore mm that we did a bus tour that we went to the tip because the Caribbean and the Atlantic come together Hmm. that, so it's different sides. So you have the Caribbean side that's calm. Mm -hmm. Then we were down at the, the, the base that we had a little bit of both. Like we had some waves in, in the, in the, the Caribbean. And then there's this other side where it is rough and rugged. And the, the guide had told us, if you go out into that water, bring yourself a passport because you're not coming mm. back. And wow. the only people who go into that water at the top where it's, you know, very tumultuous is mm. those who um, are surfers. So it's one of the places. Wow. 
but the water is a color I have never seen before. And it was just mm. a really awesome time. Love the people. Mm. They'll make sure you slow down. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that wisdom. To do so that yeah. that's a great place. So how, what, that this course, why mm-hmm. should people sign up for it? What, what is it going to give them? And tell me a little bit about that. Well, if you've ever really experienced a time where someone taught you how to cook, or maybe you didn't, or maybe you went into an aunt or uncle's kitchen and they were just cooking and you can uh, smell the aroma. And then there's memories that, you know, there's certain scents um, that you have that's embedded into you. And then there's conversations that happen that you will never forget because now you have an image to what is there. And that's really one, what I want to create is that sense of home, that sense of warmth. And uh, I know that people believe that they don't have a sense of creativity. And that's what I teach you how to do on a strategic level. Um, you'll learn how to um, balance your seasonings. You'll know how to season with control. You'll learn about the different knives and its uses. You'll learn about healthy eating and its connection to mental health. You'll learn about your palate and the what that really looks like and how you can create and execute recipes on an in and um, artistic way. You can create an, um, an hors d'oeuvre with your entree idea. You'll learn how to make pretty food, so to speak. And ultimately, you won't have to have that, um, that discouragement of going into a kitchen and not knowing what you're going to do. You'll learn how to organize your kitchen and leave with an organized kitchen. Once you're done cooking, it won't be a mess. So um, it's very strategic and I'm literally taking them even through um, health, safety and sanitation. So I'm literally taking them on the journey that I did in my uh, previous years and then combining it with new knowledge and experiences. What was behind this idea? Why did you want to bring this to the world? Because I endured multiple injuries. Um, I have carpal. I have severe carpal tunnel right now. And okay. prior to that, a few years prior to that, I had my first brain injury, and so my hands are affected. But I still wanted to give in that sense because I have a love for food. So I knew that I needed to do something instead of um, catering because I couldn't cater anymore. I had a catering business. I knew that um, I knew that people were calling me to help them create certain meals or like, what spice should I use or, you know, things like that. And uh, this was a way for me to expand on a more broader level. Like I can have conversations, but what's better than actually creating a course and then knowing you can reach multiple people with the same information and they're still getting exactly what it is that you have to pour out. Awesome. So who taught you how to cook? My mom. (laughs) My mom taught me at uh, seven years old. My first meal that she taught me how to cook was a Juicy Lucy. We made fries with that. And she taught me how to Juicy Lucy. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Never heard of that. Tell me it sounds oh, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a Juicy Lucy is a a burger with cheese inside of it. So when you bite into it, uh, cheese is just like gushing. <laughs> it's your mouth basically. But um, at that time we called them goober burgers. And that has to do with a nickname we have for one of my brothers. And okay. <laughs> yeah. And she also taught me how to season with control and then use different uh, variety of spices as well. So yeah, it's one of those memories that I hold on to dearly. 
It is. It, it is special. And I like how you say, you know, when, when you learn how to, to cook and who taught you it and why you, you do it. And it is a gift that we don't realize. And that's a gift I gave to my husband, oh, cooking for beautiful. him. Mm. So I still cook for myself. I have to remind myself, oh, you're cooking for someone you love. It's just you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't realize I'm cooking for like seven of us mm. instead of just one of us. Like how many yeah. times can I eat that meal? <laughs> I understand. So I, I need to have that portion control, not just how much I'm eating, yes. but how much I'm cooking. But just, you know, mm. teaching my uh, grandkids and my kids all knew, knew how to cook. Mm. And it is that this gift of being in the kitchen. My one, son, yeah, that. both of my sons will say, mom, we're, we're, we're cooking your recipe. Or how did you do that again? Uh, and it, it's just yeah. sweet. I never had a recipe. Like I am paying attention mm. to spices and all of that. So I want to learn how to cook sauces. That's, mm. that's what I want to learn how to do. Okay. That, that's, that's the case. So nice. When you get to that part, tell me, I want to know how, how to okay. do that makes such a such a difference in everything. What type of challenge is someone having that Asriel can coach them through? If you are going through trauma and really not knowing where you want to go and you're like you're really stuck in a certain season, then there are certain strategies that I can use to help you come out of that and challenge okay. you to do so. Um, if you need a mindset shift, because people, some people do have a sense of awareness that like, it's just my mind. I need help just getting out of the state of mind that I'm in. Right. So I can help you do that. Just showing up and being the authentic version of yourself and really embracing and embodying the new version that God allows you to be within that season, within that journey. I offer accountability as well. And you said how important that was to you. Mm -hmm. So good. Anything yeah. else you want to tell the listeners? What else do you want them to know? You know, ultimately, I just want you to understand that you really do not have to be stuck where you are at. There's so much freedom on the other side of just simply letting go and finding a community who really embraces who you are, the current season that you're in right now and help you come out of that, help you cultivate those things. And I also encourage you to invest into yourself. Um, you never really want to stop learning because then you're just going right. to, you're going to be stuck where you're at. You know, you can't necessarily grow if you don't want to continue to learn something. We don't know everything. <laughs> and one of the things that I've done, the best decision that I have made was invest into a coach. And so if anything, if you really want to experience what transformation looks like and what it looks like to experience freedom and healing and just love and really enjoying the season that you're in of growth, then I encourage you to invest into a coach because they see the things that you cannot see and they will certainly push you and challenge you to do what you didn't even think you could do. So that's that's what I got. And I, I really do encourage you to take heed because it does make a difference. Such a blessing. I, I, I love your story. I love your energy. I, I, I love your transparency and your authenticity. And I just feel like you are going to be an absolute blessing to so many people. And uh, as you said, you're taking that, those you're turning beauty from ashes mm, uh, to really just, and that that's what this is all about. We're, yeah. we're, we're called to, as you said, we're, we're here to build the kingdom, 
We're letting them know the freedom and the love and the peace and the healing that being part of the kingdom can bring. So this has just been an awesome, awesome story. So I I, I just want to thank you. I want to thank Thank you you. for having me really, really. It really, truly is an honor to be on here and Thank you for meeting with me and really taking the time to listen and ask those deep questions, those deep, powerful questions, because it does help me unveil. What an incredible story about an incredible woman with incredible faith who listened to our incredible God and is now doing incredible things for other women entrepreneurs. The part I loved so much about Ashriel's story is how God stayed with her through those 13 difficult seasons. He brought mentors and teachers to her when she was ready. He brought groups of people to surround her and support her so that she would not lose her faith, that she would not lose her focus on her purpose, and that she can now claim a wonderful, purposeful life. God speaks to all of us, and sometimes it is through different sources, and I hope that one of those sources is through the Hope Station, as I share these incredible stories of what God can do in our life when we say yes to His purpose and plan. My hope is that you are getting great value from these podcasts. And I would love to have you join us over on our Facebook page, where each week I will be going live and having discussions about the podcast topics. There we can take a deeper dive. You can ask questions and it'll be interactive and hopefully be an additional source of encouragement, inspiration, and motivation for you as we continue to journey together through life. Until next time, I'm wishing you a fantastic week. And I want to thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you, and he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential and making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion, and it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, dianebells.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z dot com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away. Why wait? Schedule your call today.